Hey there, I'm so excited to tell you about Radiotopia's newest show, The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. Kenji and Deb are two of the best home cooks alive. J. Kenji Lopez-Alt of The Food Lab and The Walk, and Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen. Two of my go-tos to make sure I'm getting the perfect recipe for everything from meatballs to muffins. They're pros who obsess over techniques and essential ingredients, so you learn everything you need to create your perfect recipe. You can finally be excited to eat what you make, and maybe even impress your friends and family. Help us welcome the newest show to the Radiotopia family. Find The Recipe with Kenji and Deb on your favorite podcast platform starting February 26th. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, home of the Name Your Price tool. You say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. It's easy to start a quote. Visit Progressive.com to get started. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to This Day in Esoteric Political History from Radiotopia. My name is Jody Avergan. This day, June 8th, 1866. Now picture this, listeners. You are wandering through the woods in very southern Canada, just a few miles north of the Vermont border. It's very beautiful, very green. It's, you know, early summer. Uh, Not too far from Lake Champlain. And as you get near the outskirts of a very small town called Pigeon Hill, you notice something waving in the breeze. It's a flag. It is not the Canadian flag. Canada did not exist as a nation for another year or so. It is not the British flag. It is the Irish flag. The flag had been planted by a group of about 1,000 Fenians who had raided the village from across the Vermont border and planted it as a proclamation of Irish sovereignty. The larger context here are what's known as the Fenian Raids, which are a series of skirmishes and raids and attempts by the Fenian Brotherhood to use the U.S. Civil War as context to destabilize the British Empire, fight for independence, maybe establish an Irish state in Canada. It's a little murky a little harebrained, but also really fascinating. So here to discuss the Fenian Brotherhood and the moment when Irish independence, the U.S. Civil War, Canadian independence, uh, British Empire, and lots more all mixed together in northern Vermont and southern Canada are, as always, Nicole Hammer of Columbia and Kelly Carter-Jackson of Wellesley. Hello there. Hello, Jody. Um, I guess, Nikki, let's start with just what is the Fenian Brotherhood and who are these people roving northern Vermont? So the Finian Brotherhood is a group that's established in 1858 in the United States, which, you know, is a a tenuous moment in U.S. history. Things are a little, little unstable in the U.S. at that time. And it's based on the idea that Ireland should be independent, self-governing. It's an idea we've heard a lot over the past couple of centuries um, about Ireland. Um, And they were using the U.S. as their base to advocate for this free Irish Republic. Um, And it's made up, you know, by 1866 of uh, people who had honed their military skills fighting in the U.S. Civil War. Right. And these are Irish immigrants or first or second generation Irish, but still kind of very much um, aligned with the notion of, an, of a sovereign Irish state um, mm-hmm. back on the back in the homeland. 
Kelly? Yeah, I just, I, I feel, is it bad that I want to give these guys like an E for effort? <laughs> like, <laughs> like the, 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 their tenacity at really, you know, they, they don't have a lot. They're not um, incredibly heavily armed and, and have l- large amounts of people joining their forces, but they are relentless. And several times throughout, you know, the mid 19th century between 1866 and 1871, they are leading these raids or attacks on um, Canada, what becomes the Canadian government, to draw British forces to Canada and attempts to draw them away from Ireland and then really try to use as much uh, violence as they can to, to promote their own political uh, agenda and their own sovereignty. And so, yeah. I mean, they, they, they fail, but at the same time, I don't know, I, I kind of always want to root for an underdog yeah. a little bit yeah. Yeah. and they're trying. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've got a picture of who the Fenians were. Um, the, we talk about the Fenian raids, which happened over the course of five years in the uh, starting in 1866. Uh, Kelly, paint a picture of what these raids are. Yeah, so it's it's about a thousand, maybe thirteen hundred uh, men who are basically plotting to seize and sabotage. British military outposts. So they're going to these British forts and trying to thwart them, trying to overtake them, and really trying to do this in order, as we said before, to to draw out the British, to bring the British to send in reinforcements so that they will have to sort of abandon other projects that they have going yeah. on. They are ambushed Fort Erie. This led to the Battle of Ridgeway, in which 13 Canadian uh, militia were killed. 94 people were wounded. So, I mean, they're small skirmishes. But at the same time, they do have big consequences. People are dying. Um, And, you know, the Finians captured people, then they released their prisoners, and then they basically vowed to strike again. Uh, And they keep doing these things pretty much until... Andrew Johnson really starts to crack down on these raids to keep them from taking more lives. Yeah, and from the description that that Kelly gives, it's guerrilla warfare. I mean, it looks exactly like the guerrilla warfare that we think about from a much later era. So let's take each of those elements one by one and let's let's put aside for a moment the notion of a sovereign mm-hmm. Irish state in southern Canada, which I think it was part of this. But there's also just this larger picture of the state of British Empire at the time. Mm-hmm. And it feels like there's two strands there. One is that there's just an effort here to destabilize the British Empire. So the British Empire is obviously involved in Canada. It's involved in Ireland. It's involved in lots of places. And the notion here is if we force the British Empire to fight on the front of southern Canada, it will make it less capable to oppress people in back in Ireland. Is that mm-hmm. a, you know a fair characterization? Yeah, and I mean this is a moment when the British Empire is getting close to its its peak size, right? Where the, you know this idea that the sun never sets on the British Empire, um, and one of the upsides for people who are trying to fight off the empire at this moment is that it's got its fingers in a lot of different pots and so it can be distracted um and you're sitting there in the united states um a country that successfully is separated from uh the british empire and so there's an inspiration there as well but i also think that you know when we look at this in the context of the Civil War, or really the close mm-hmm. of the Civil War, these Finian raids are, are a nuisance, particularly to Andrew Johnson and to um, other political or military officials who are trying to stop 
these raids from happening that are wreaking havoc. And they're trying to still go about reconstructing uh, this fragile union that has just experienced four five years of war. So um, it's something that we don't really talk about in the history books because it's just this small sort of subset fringe group in a lot of ways. But I think it, it speaks to the larger ideas that people have about, you know, sovereignty and nationality and what it means to sort of have um, control over your political destiny in, in a lot of ways. And this is what they're hmm. pushing for. I mean, the Civil War is a really important context here, too, because one of the things that helped fuel the Fenians' idea that they could get away with this is that the U.S. wasn't particularly happy with Britain during the Civil War because Britain declared itself neutral and was actually in some ways uh, aiding, providing some help to the Confederacy. And so the idea here that the Fenians were thinking was, well, you know, here's a chance for the U.S. to get back at Britain by not interfering with these raids. Yeah, that's actually one of the more fascinating, I think, entry points that the story provides is an understanding of British meddling in the U.S. Civil War and actually letting the Confederates, you know, construct warships at Mm -hmm. British ports and doing maybe some sketchy funding. And, you know, but yeah, I mean, that's a role. I think that's of the many, as you were saying, Kelly, there's so many stories of the Civil War that get glossed over when you think of it as just capital N North versus capitals Mm -hmm. S South. And here's like this weird British involvement in the Fenians saying, well, you know, Maybe we can go after the British because they're on the side of the Confederacy and we can destabilize them and so forth. But also to that point, I also think the Civil War is a moment of instability and that can splinter off in all sorts of different directions. Mm -hmm. And we've talked a little bit about sort of on the Western frontier, how it kind of just created this moment of chaos and opportunity and here we see it on the on the northern front if you want to call lake champlain that um as well you know just this it's like a moment where everything fills up for grabs and so these roving bands of fenians say well maybe we can cause some cause some trouble here now so this other strand so we have you know the british empire we have british meddling in the civil war and now we have this other column of establishing an irish state in southern canada what's your read on this how real of a notion was this uh how harebrained was this scheme? <laughs> <laughs> they never, I mean, if that's impossible. I won't say it's impossible, but it's highly unlikely given the size of their group, which is about, you know, a thousand to thirteen hundred people that, you know, tried to um, sabotage a U.S., you know, uh, Navy gunboat um, to slip across the Canadian border. They're trying to um, um, create this like ambush of Canadian militia to overtake a space for themselves um but they're they're constantly thwarted um you know andrew johnson is sending in general ulysses s grant um to shut a lot of this down and so they don't gain very much traction um but again you know the attempt in and of itself i think is something worth pondering yeah look they probably wasn't really any chance that this was going to happen (laughs) um but they had reason to believe that maybe if they were able to like put down a marker that the U.S. might back them. So the Secretary of State, William Seward, had, um, you know, needed the Irish-American vote, which had grown very large because of Irish immigration to the U.S. since the 1840s, um, that the U.S. would acknowledge accomplished facts, which is to say that if they managed to construct their Irish state here in North America, that the U.S. would recognize it. Um, But what actually happened is that it's like a thousand people going up against Canada 
um, which, as you noted, wasn't independent yet, but was about to become a country, the British Empire and the U.S. state, because at the end of the day, the U.S. didn't actually want um, a free Irish Republic sitting just north of their border either. And so, you know, they're going up against three major yeah. powers um, and it's a thousand guys with guns. They don't have a chance. And that, that, right. <laughs> they don't have yeah. a chance. But you know what? I, I mean, they've got heart. Like I, when I think about the, the Finian soldier song and it says, you know, we are the Finian Brotherhood skilled in the arts of war and we're going to fight for Ireland, the land we adore. Many battles we have won along with the boys in blue and we'll go and capture Canada for we've nothing else to do. <laughs> For, for, for we've nothing else to do is such a good mantra. It's like what, what else are we gonna do? You know, but no, not to, yeah, yeah, not to diminish the you know, you know the actual um, attempt of, at establishing uh, a free people here. Um, so Andrew Johnson's sort of crackdown, or like I don't even know if crackdown's the right word. There just seems to be a moment where Johnson just becomes kind of fed up with this situation. Mm-hmm, yeah. He calls the Fenians what evil disposed persons mm-hmm. and says that what they are doing are high misdemeanors forbidden by the laws. But you know, he doesn't seem to be taking a, a big stand on Irish independence or even the mm-hmm. British Empire. It does seem he's more just like, look, we got this war going on. Like we're trying to deal with our own business, and there's just this yeah, BS got happening. Bigger fish to fry, <laughs> right? Yeah. And Johnson's presidency was kind of a mess. Like the last thing that he... (laughs) Yes, that's important to keep in mind as well. Um, One thing we should do uh, as we wrap up here is because I'm sure Canadian listeners are are listening to this now and saying, wait a minute, this is a story about Canada. What about the Canadian perspective? And I actually do think it's really important to like shift the lens a little and look at this from the Canadian perspective because this strikes me as another in the long line of like, Americans assuming things about Canada and assuming that Canada is this like blank slate neutral thing um, uh, and and that they can just behave however. But, you know, I think a big element of this is the Fenians really misread how Canada would take this. Right. And there was this assumption that, oh, yeah, we'll go in, we'll attach British forts. Um, There's an Irish population in Canada that will support this. Well, as it happens, one, a lot of Irish immigrants to Canada were Protestants, not Catholics, so they weren't really on the side. And a lot of immigrants in Canada had come from the potato famine, you know, 20 years earlier, and were probably just trying to live stable lives in a new country. Mm -hmm. And here come the Fenians saying, you know, let's cause a ruckus. Um, And so I think it is important to remember that Canada is a player in this and the Canadian (laughs) perspective is big and it's not just this like... Space blank slate yeah yeah blank slate to the north that we can that we can muck with which i will acknowledge is the way that a lot of americans probably think of canada that's true i think that's true i think it's also important to say that you know the finians they sort of um they sort of bring down themselves a little bit i mean when you think of the fact they have all of this internal factions they have a hard time uh with financial troubles they've got like police informers they've got opposition from the catholic church uh they have a lot going against them just in and among themselves that keeps them from really sort of having the or creating the foothold that they would like but yeah i think that's just you know it's interesting that this even took place in the way that it did it just it still kind of blows my mind that this was happening in this moment 
And then it happened for so long, given that they had mm-hmm. zero allies, like zero <laughs> allies. No, no one <laughs> supported the Fenian raids. Um, and yet they, they carried them out for several years. So um, we'll stand by Professor Jackson's E for effort. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, another reminder, we are opening up our big list of ideas document to anyone who becomes a Radiotopia member. So if you want to help support this show, become a Radiotopia member and then tell us that you've done that we will add you to our document and you can see how this show gets made the list of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds probably thousands at this point uh tidbits that we pour through to pick what we're going to discuss on each show so thank you to everyone who's become a member and thank you to all of you who are about to become members and thank you to nicole hemmer thanks jody and kelly carter jackson thanks as always my pleasure this day in esoteric political history is a proud member of radiotopia from prx a network of independent listener supported artist owned podcasts our researcher and producer is jacob feldman our producer is Brittany brown you can get in touch with us with any questions or comments or ideas for the show email us thisdaypod at gmail.com or you can find a form at thisdaypod.com My name is Jody Avergan. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you soon. It is, as you may have heard, an election year. But do you feel like you have a lot of choices? Here are the new candidates, same as the old candidates. How did we get here again? The fact is our democracy is broken. We can all feel it and there's data to back it up too. A Princeton University study found that public opinion has near zero impact on what laws are passed. You know what does have an impact though? Money. You can call it lobbying, you can call it super PAC spending, you can call it corruption. But luckily there are things we can do right now to fix this broken system. This podcast is part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition, a group that's banding together to make our democracy better. We're working with Represent Us, the largest grassroots organization fighting to end corruption city by city and state by state. You can join the movement too. Go to represent.us slash podcast to find out more. Radiotopia.